Hello, everyone. It's Artem, and today I am joined by Erica Taylor Haskins. Erica Taylor Haskins is a founding partner of New York City-based event production firm Tinsel Experiential Design. Tinsel is committed to redefining luxury events through the execution of imaginative, immersive experiences for private clients and brands. Their clientele includes Mercedes-Benz, Spotify, L'Oreal, and Condé Nast. Tinsel has also been named as one of the top event designers in the world by Harper's Bazaar, not to mention their inclusion in Vogue, WWD, Forbes, and Town and & Country, among many others. Erica, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, we're thrilled to have you. I'm uh, very excited to dive a little bit deeper, not only into the history of Tinsel, but also learn a little bit about you as well. Perfect, Great. I'm excited. Great, tell us a little bit about how Tinsel came to be, how your personal journey started, and how we got to where we are today. Yeah, sure. So I have two amazing business partners, Liz and Adette, and we have known each other for quite for a long time. We met in, in the year 2002, singing in our college a cappella group, actually, at, the G, at GW, the GW Vibes. Um, and stayed longtime friends. We all moved to New York separately, did different things. Um, Adette and I were both in advertising. So I was on the account management and biz dev side. Uh, Adette started an account, moved to creative, and then bopped around. She's a jack of all trades. Liz is actually a science teacher in Harlem, which is a wild path to take before coming into <laughs> Sure. into the event world, but our, our running joke there is that she has endless patience from staring down a classroom of 13-year-olds, you know, if you can corral 13-year-olds, you can corral event people usually, yeah. um, but in 2010, we were at happy hour as we tended to do and just, you know, talking about things that could be and, you know, how things are with our careers. Um, and, you know, after a couple of margaritas, we just kind of got in our heads like we could start a business. I would be, we could, we could like kill any business. And people always ask how we got into events. And I, I apologize. We have no answer. We don't remember because we're having such a good time, but you know, because we're all pretty, type A personalities, this thing that was kind of a, a half joke turned into a hobby, which turned into um, what so far has been, you know, after 10 years, 10 quick and easy years, um, no, but after 10 years has become, you know, a, a pretty solid and successful business here in the city. Beautiful. So I know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but for what I know about your history, you guys got together on a weekly basis. Was it uh, like Tinsel Tuesdays? Is that what it was? It was Tinsel Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I missed the taco part. I mean, you know, half, half the time tacos, half the time oysters. But we, mm. we literally would just, you know, carve out times on the weekends or standing dates on Tuesdays, which again, I mean, when we were starting out was dedicated to just even figuring out what our brand was, what even, what, what does one do in events? What is event design? Um, creating a website and what have you and kind of putting the, the foundational pieces towards a business plan and then you know after a little bit we had clients that trusted us to to create celebrations for them and it took off from there beautiful and just so that we're very clear and i know you probably get this question a lot to just confirm you do event design for weddings <laughs> and corporate 
and you only do planning for corporate events. Not Correct. Correct. So that's an important differentiator. When we first started out, we called ourselves wedding planners um, because we didn't know any better. You know, we, we had a very limited idea of what these roles in the industry could be. And uh, literally just to, to have a call out here, someone that's become a friend of ours, but this was ages ago at Wedding Crashers in Brooklyn, Ara from Rock, Paper, Scissors did a presentation mm -hmm. about event design. And Liz and I literally looked at each other and we're like, oh shit, that's what we want to do, <laughs> event design, <laughs> not wedding planning. So from there, I mean, we, we now work with wedding planners who handle the logistics and really act as, you know, the, the stage direction is our analogy. And we then, for social events like weddings, uh, bar and bat mitzvahs, birthdays, et cetera, do all the design. Um, so again, the analogy continuing there is that we do the, the set decorating, you know, the set design. And then for corporate and nonprofit clients, we do do everything soup to nuts, so the, the full shebang. But we, we like to, to trust our, our wedding couples and social couples to the, to the masterful planners that are in our network. Right. I think that you probably had a better grasp of that than most because of your work in the advertising field. So when I started my company, I'm sure you know, in an ad agency, especially in a creative agency, there's a copywriter and an art director. Mm -hmm. They work together. They obviously coordinate, but they have their responsibilities, their independent responsibilities. Sure, yeah. So I looked at that from my perspective and said, I'm the MC. I'm the copywriter. There's a DJ. There's a band. There's art direction. And that made sense to me, like just naturally kind of just yeah. went from one into another. And I think for you guys, too, it's like, oh, there's a designer. Because the person putting together the logistical timeline very rarely is actually taking care of what wallpaper needs to be brought in to transform a space. Right, right. I mean, you're giving us a lot of credit. We didn't think about it that deeply at the beginning. Um, and I, you know, I think it's also become somewhat of a newer role. I mean, not less so now, but certainly 10 years ago. And at least the types of weddings that we personally had been exposed to, there is usually a planner and a florist because mm -hmm. the design of a wedding full stop was usually flowers, maybe candles, flowers, candles. But you know, our, our niche and what we've done a really good job of growing into is yes, our team does flowers and I personally love going overboard with candles, but our team's been really good about incorporating other types of elements and giving our clients permission to step outside of what's comfortable and expected. So we, I mean, our clients are as crazy as we are and usually a lot cooler than we are, but we've had clients now that have let us do, you know, I hate this term, but it, it makes sense for where we are, but Instagrammable moments where, mm -hmm. you know, it might be bringing in taxidermy that becomes a photo booth or it's, you know, neon signs or, you know, really cool photo booths. And um, last year we did a wedding where we filled a canoe filled with, I mean, tons and tons of flowers and floated it in the middle of a pool during cocktail hours. Again, it wasn't flowers in a traditional sense of like centerpiece on table, but flowers in a way that's like, they're like, holy shit, I did not expect to see that. <laughs> I've right. never seen anything like that before. Um, so that's, you know, I think in the way that event designs kind of evolved and letting people do really fun outside of the box stuff that feels like fresh and funky that's really where we're we're owning it right now yeah and i really like the fact that experiential design is what you refer to it as and i think that is what it that yeah means like it's experiential yeah. it, it creates exactly. an experience 
Um, it, you want that oh shit moment, like oh yeah. I didn't expect to see this as yeah. you want, but that's what everybody wants as part of their event. I would hope. Yeah, I mean at least ours do. I mean I, the, I mean for better or for worse, not everybody does, and that's totally okay. I mean some people want a super traditional ballroom right. wedding, and you know that's not generally our client. Of course we can do that. You know it's quote unquote easy to do that kind of wedding, but mm -hmm. um, it really it feels like a really special moment when our when our clients find us and they're like, I'm so glad to have discovered you or that someone referred you because I haven't found anyone like you. We're like. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of that goes to to each their own, and there's a market for everything in a way. And oh. I think you just need to get to a space where they find you and you find them, and it's just yeah. the same kind of synergy you would feel with any kind of relationship. Yeah, for sure. And it's it, it really is telling. We've become pretty good friends with a lot of our clients just because we, you know, you you feel like you found your people, right? You're like, yeah. you know want to work with people that you're like I would really just love to like get a, a beer with you or like have a wine night with you and the fun thing is we can do that <laughs> so right. you know, there are clients that we literally I mean we have kind of like standing yoga dates with or like people that we go out for drinks with we go dancing with and it's kind of a nice cool special club to to have built that that little network that's not just like client vendor relationship Right. And I think maybe whether that's intentional or not on your part, I think it's great because it creates sort of that family vibe and it's a, a little bit of more of an exclusive inclusiveness, if that makes any sense. So like they feel like they're part of something special and yeah. maybe somebody else isn't. Somebody that works with another firm doesn't get that type of good vibes. Yeah. I so like I that. Exclusive you, inclusiveness. <laughs> Let's trademark that, please. Yeah. Are you ready for some hard hitting questions? Let's do it. So there are three founding members. There yes. are three partners of uh -huh. Tim. There have been some very amazing trios historically <laughs> in, in culture and pop culture. Uh -huh. Of the Tinsel team, who is the Michelle, the Kelly, and the Beyonce? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, nobody wants to be Michelle. <laughs> oh, no. I just feel like nobody wants to claim themselves as Beyonce. Somebody's going to have to do it. I know. that This is such a psychological test. Um, well, in true tinsel fashion, I'm going to break the rules and say that we are all in all of our own ways Beyonce. <laughs> I like that. I expected nothing less from you, Erica. But I, I like the way you went around that. The other trio I had in mind was Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins that nobody remembers. Mm, nope, I didn't know. So um, that <laughs> I'm laughing because this is an ongoing joke between the three of us. Um, that um, of the three of us, I do not believe in the moon landing. So I would I would like to recuse myself from this question. No, we need to go deeper. <laughs> Hold on. You don't believe that, because I might be with you at some point. You don't believe that it ever happened or it didn't happen at that time where they claim that it did? I do not believe, well, I can't say that I don't believe it never happened, but I definitely don't believe it happened at the time that they said it did. And I have many reasons. This will take a whole nother podcast to talk about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and I will say I'm with you. I don't think it happened at that point. Um, I think it right inevitably did happen, but probably not when they claimed that it did. Right on. Join um, the club. 
Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Note for Liz. Um, so then I guess we'll go one more round here of this one. Who is Michael, who is Scotty, and who is Dennis Rodman? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so you also understand that reference? Because I know you don't do, like sports whatsoever. Oh, okay, good. So I'm, you know, I've, I'm not into sports, but I'm in the pop culture and trivia, so I got you. Um, I will give I will give Adette Michael because Adette moved to Chicago from the Philippines when she was about 11, and that was her crash course into American culture, was being like a diehard uh, Bulls fan. So oh, good for her. What are you going to do? Um, I will say I don't know enough about the other ones. <laughs> That's fine. I also don't think anybody wants to be designated as Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Although you do change your hair very often. I still don't think you, yeah. I was going to say, oh, okay, if that's our barometer, then I'm going to give that to Liz, because as much as I change my hair, Liz, Liz is also a chameleon, and she has the most tattoos and piercings, so she can, she can get the Dennis Rodman Award. Got it. I think uh, hopefully you'll go back to a, a pleased team after this <laughs> podcast. Hopefully they'll be on board Starting with everything. <laughs> exactly, with everything we've designated at this moment. Yeah. Um, so going back to you, I want to learn a little bit more because you actually mentioned some of the journeys that took your team to brought you guys to inevitably New York City. Yeah. What personally did it for you and tell me a little bit more about uh, historically kind of like what pushed you towards New York City, what pushed you towards the event space? I know you said that you were kind of drifting a little bit in the advertising space, but ultimately you guys were in college together. You kept in touch, but weren't really together. And then eventually the world just brought you back. Yeah. So to start, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. And I always, 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 since I was a little girl, wanted to live in New York. I mean, I, I can do my rundown of like all the movies and shows that I'd watch. And, you know, like between Annie and Oliver and company and Brent and, and the nanny, literally, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so The nanny, like the show? Yeah, like Fran Drescher. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was a musical. I didn't know about No, like my fashion icon. I just, I, sure. I love. Um, I used to visit New York a lot when I was little because I had a great aunt who was a fabulous wild woman, Aunt Sue, that lived mm -hmm. in Harlem. And we'd come visit Aunt Sue. And again, I, you know, this was in like the 80s and 90s when where she lived in Harlem was not the nicest block. Sure. Uh, but, you know, little Aunt Sue McBean, like nobody would mess with her. <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. That's pretty dope. Um, so anyway, I always had an eye on New York. I really wanted to go to college here. And my dad probably smartly and rightfully was like, if you go to New York for college, you specifically will not go to class. And I was like, true, touche, fine. <laughs> so <laughs> ended up nice going you know, I was like, you, you, you know, some things, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to admit when your parents are right, in retrospect. Um, but I went to school in D.C., which is where I met my, my ladies, my partners. And um, I don't know. I just used to always visit New York weekends a lot after, you know, college and as a, a young professional. And after a while, it just made sense to put down roots here. So here I came. So now that you're finally in New York, what is your favorite quintessentially New York Thing to do man I I love New York I mean it's it's a, a wild place to live um, but I I would say two things one I love oh man now like I'm just going down like my laundry list I love the, the big moments where you can take a moment to pause and just be like holy shit I'm standing on 
a rooftop overlooking the skyline, you know, like when it feels like a movie moment, you know, or so much of what we do working in events where you're in the back of house at the Met Museum, you know, or like when you're like, I just let myself in the back door of the New York Public Library because I can, like moments mm-hmm. like that are when you stop and think about it are so special and weird and mind blowing, you know, which I, I love that. And then I am a big, big musical theater nerd. You know, I'm not in the sports, but I can tell you everything about Broadway. <laughs> okay. uh, I actually, I set a goal a couple of years ago because I realized I lived in New York and I just wasn't going to shows because I, you know, was quote unquote too busy to do that, which is absurd. Yeah. So I set a goal two years ago that I was like, I'm going to go see a show once a month. And so that's, that's what I do. That's my hobby. I go to a show once a month, um, usually in the middle of the week, just like whenever I have a free night, I just buy last minute tickets. And it's, again, just so special to be able to do that on a whim and not have to make like a whole day out of it, you know? Right. Like a trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think doing spontaneous New York stuff is pretty quintessentially New York. Yeah. And thank you for singing, uh, going to shows <laughs> once a week. I think that really delivered your point. I like that. <laughs> My acapella roots. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. And you also met your husband in New York, correct? I did. I did. So we worked the same ad agency mm-hmm. and sat really close to each other, although we never worked to each worked with each other. Um, and I used to call facilities every day because I was freezing. The, I'm always, this is our life. This is where we live in our apartment. I'm always freezing and he's always hot. So we would each be calling facilities complaining about the temperature until finally the facilities manager was like, can you talk to this person at this desk? You guys need to get it together. So we <laughs> did talk and then kind of like starry eyed and like splink, splink. Do you want to go out? <laughs> I didn't know that. I knew you we guys met at work, but I didn't know it was over like a thermostat disagreement. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. So all the single men out there start hitting the thermostats and then yeah. try to find your dream gal. It's a little like yin and yang, hot and cold thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, literally hot and cold. Good job. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so I want to hop back a little bit about your family. I know you mentioned visiting your great aunt and just uh, like obviously the fact that you grew up romanticizing New York and now you're really living in that romance. And I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to touch upon and I want to make sure I pronounce this properly. Uh-huh. Ms. Muriel Eulalia. Hughes Burrell. That's it. That is Erica's grandmother. (laughs) And apparently the most badass and most resilient woman in the world. I need to know more about her. She is a wild lady. She, Ms. Muriel, was one of nine kids. um, born, (laughs) Born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. And... She is, she's just so funny. She turns 90 this year in August. And if you, you know, if you saw her, if you met her, people are like, how, how can your grandma be 70 if your mom is, I won't say, but you know, not too far, but I'm like, she's 90 years old. She still gets around. She loves to dance. She's part of a bridge club. She goes on trips to go gambling in casinos. She, you know, stays up late. I always knew, especially like, you know, when I'm out in New York and it's like walking my dog or coming home from like hanging out with friends, I can call her anytime because she stays up, you know, late watching TV until about one in the morning. Um, and her, her beauty secret, I always ask, I'm like, what is your secret? What's your fountain of youth? 
And part of it is sleep, which I'm a fan of. Great. So check. Um, but part of it is, you know, she, she's like, I drink a glass of rosé every night before bed. <laughs> I'm like, I like that too. Um, but she just, she's just a really special woman and she, you know, laughs a lot you know she tickles herself tickles everyone else and is highly quotable and I just I hope to be as sharp and amazing and funny and witty as she is when I'm half her age (laughs) right did you spend a lot of time with her growing up I did I did and you know my mom is so she's my mom's mom my mom's an only child so Mm -hmm. kind of um we got all the attention (laughs) being the grand um, but yeah, so she and my mom are pretty close and they talk every day. So we used to go over there all the time and, you know, she, especially being almost 90 is actually really computer savvy. So I email with her and like, you know, send her funny links or like songs that I think she'll like. And she writes back with like funny emojis and, you know, emoticons and things that, you know, it, it just gets kid- young. She does. She truly, truly does. Whenever I call her. I'm like, I go, Granny, what are you up to? And she goes, no good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's great. I like that. So does she goes to bed late, but also sleeps in because she gets her a good amount of sleep? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I'm all for it. My goal in life is to just live like a retiree. Yeah. Just like, essentially, I mean, not it's not to a point like you're not doing anything. I still want to have a, like a lot of things I'm sure we all do just have something we want to accomplish. Yeah. But just live that sort of active retirement lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I think the trick and what I what I've observed and picked up is to keep up your extracurriculars, you know. So it's not like she goes to bed late and wakes up late and then just sits around. Like she's still right. out and about and has her routines, you know, gets her hair done, gets her nails done, you know. <laughs> so she's still, you know, out and having conversations with people. And like I said, I mean, I sometimes I'll call her and I'll just get her voicemail. I'm like, where are you? And she's like, oh, I was at the casino. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, and I do think one thing you brought up, which I think maybe some people underestimate, is the having a good sense of humor. I think that's just like a good laugh and good sleep. Those two things could pretty much solve most of life's problems. Yeah. Um, obviously not all, but the, the minor ones definitely can be remedied with some sleep and some good laughter. I like that. Nice. I like so big shout out to Muriel. Yeah. <laughs> She'll um, be listening. <laughs> I hope so. Um, take me through your childhood in general. So you, uh, you know, we've talked about it. You are still in Virginia until you basically are off to college. Yeah. So born and raised, my whole family were all, were all roots in Richmond. Um, so was in Richmond in the suburbs and I'm the oldest of two girls. My sister is seven and a half years younger than me. So um, you know, I was big, big sister when she came along. Um, but I, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's very reflective of my life now, but always had a lot of programming and extracurriculars. So I did gymnastics for a while. I did dance classes here and there. Um, I was always in like chorus and drama and theater and that kind of stuff. I did cheering for a while. Um, but a big part of it, I mean, my family has always been really into travel. So I was very lucky to have parents that prioritized that. So we used to travel quite a bit and, you know, kind of 
see different slices of the world and different cultures, which is really nice. So favorite childhood trip? Oh, man. I mean, that's hard. I'm biased because as a little kid, obviously, I love going to Disney World. <laughs> okay. But outside of Disney World, um, we actually used to go to Bermuda quite a bit. My parents hmm. loved Bermuda. So, you know, some of my early travel memories were like going to the beaches there, like the pink sand and like feeding the fishes in the grotto and um, something that I, I always think of. Um, but one of my favorite Disney movies is Oliver and Company and in Bermuda. I don't know if, you know, whoever has been there, you can't rent cars there. You can only rent mopeds and scooters. Okay. So as little, 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 you know, little Erica, I was on the scooter with my dad and we were singing one of the songs from Oliver and Company, like, you know, putting down the road because I don't know, they're like on scooters in the movie the whole time. So my dad okay. humored me to, to, to do that as we were getting around the island. That's cute. So does this coincide with your obsession with uh, the Robin Hood animated show? Um, so that would be a little bit earlier, but I, do, I did. I mean, that still remains in a top three favorite Disney movie. Robin Hood. I love it. just love that handsome little fox. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to like think back at this. Um, was, was the fox like cool in some sort of way? Like, was he positioned for like teens or preteens? Like what Disney <laughs> does where they throw like a... Uh, a leather jacket on a guy. That's what they used to do in the nineties, right? I know. So, and that was very like like goof troop, you know, like <laughs> yeah. him. I don't you know, I mean, I don't know that he was meant to be cool. Um, and it does feel weird to say that you had a crush on an animated fox, <laughs> like an anamorphic <laughs> figure. But he was just so like just charming and like debonair, you know, like he was the hero and like, mm -hmm. you know, just just like a <laughs> That's fine. But then your taste evolved. <laughs> but your taste evolved. You moved on to uh, Golden Girls and Designing Women. It's true. I, yep. So. <laughs> Did you ever watch Arrested Development? You know, I watched a little bit of it. I never got that into it. Should I? I mean, should I watch it? You definitely should. But the reason yeah. I ask is because one of the writers on Golden Girls I think created or was one of the head writers on Arrested Development. So it's a very similar type of humor. And I think you would particularly enjoy Arrested Development. I think not only like your humor for it, but the fact that what they do is they will throw in like Easter eggs throughout the season. Yeah, and nice. so if you're, if you're watching it, there's like a little reward for you to get the joke. That was part of their appeal, but also part of their problem. So mm -hmm. if I told you like mid season, hey, you should check this out you wouldn't be able to pop in and like understand yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I think now if you do it now and you just binge, I think that was like the start of sitcoms or the start of shows understanding that if people can binge, they yeah. can watch several episodes in a row and then that definitely makes sense. Yeah. But if you're going week to week, you might possibly forget what that joke was three weeks ago and it's not going to land. Totally. Totally. I know the other show that does that really well is broad city. Did you yeah. watch that one? They, I, I love their callbacks and, you know, the things that you don't get until you kind of like watch the whole and then go back. Right. Good ones. So, so good speaking ones. of that, speaking of shows and running and, um, you know, show running and basically <laughs> writing, you performed throughout your formative years. Is that safe I to say? Were you, just a, were you just a fan? 
No, I performed. I, I mean, again, big theater dork, but except it was cool in my school. I wasn't a dork. Everyone was dork. It was cool to be a dork. Um, but um, yeah, in high school, I was in West Side Story. I was in Greece. Um, my senior year, I was the lead in Guys and Dolls. <laughs> so, Ooh, okay. So I was, I was in it. I love that. And I, I mean, I, I miss that. That's one of the things. Like, if I won the lottery, which I don't play, but hypothetically, if I won the lottery and didn't have to work, I would find a way to just like find some way to be in like community theater. Won the lottery or just land a sweet corporate gig uh, for tinsel right like once a year party but you guys all net out like five million each does that sound all right yeah, I mean that's pretty solid that would, that's enough to take a Broadway hiatus for sure good well once like Michael Jordan and Beyonce catch wind of all the conversation we've been having about them I think hopefully they'll reach out yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. That, that Michael Jordan Beyonce that production. Works, right? <laughs> yeah, that production they're working on together that they yeah hire an experiential design firm and an MC for that matter. Yeah. And uh, we can make it happen. We'll get I you know. into community theater. I think that's how, I think if we just tag them on Instagram, pretty much they start writing checks to us. Is that how it works? Yeah, I think, I think so. Right. There was, a, there was an ad I saw and I don't remember what it was for. So I am apologetic about that to whatever creative team came up with it. <laughs> But I think it was for some sort of like platform where you could put up your content. And it was one of those like quick, like five second spots. And it was a woman going, I don't care about money. I'll just eat my likes for breakfast, which I, I thought was great. Yeah. yeah You've yeah. seen that? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Along the lines of that whole like death by exposure. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hop back a little bit to your formative years. You're yeah. out watching uh, Golden Girls. You are starring in different plays. You were, uh, who were you in Greece? In Gre well, Greece, I was just an extra, but I really like developed my own. <laughs> with one of my friends was in the show with me. We developed our own little sub, 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 subplot with no lines. <laughs> that is awesome. Very creative. Really so got it. Here's what I know about Greece, and I apologize in advance. The bulk of my understanding of that storyline stems from the Ja Rule Ashanti video. Yes. <laughs> where, where is it basically like they both try to like appease one another's personalities? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's it's a it's actually a pretty terrible plot <laughs> i was gonna say pretty problematic nowadays right um i mean i think it's problematic back then too we <laughs> okay. just love the music you know just really love the the jokes that we i feel that way about dirty dancing by the way i think in general a pretty problematic story but that soundtrack was very good that i mean yeah you can't get over it these these great classic movies they just like you excuse the the issues the yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, down to it, the plot of Greece is pretty much like change for the one that you want. Hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, John Ashanti did just that. <laughs> and then did it work out or like what happened after that? Because I think the I mean, video happened? ended. What I, happened? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, the video Ashanti? ended. I mean, in actual Greece. Oh, yeah. I mean, then they, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to ruin this for you. Spoiler alert. No, that's okay. Um, if, if you happen to catch the movie anytime, they mm -hmm. fly off 
literally they get into a, an old car, ship the car and fly off into the sunset. It just takes off and it, there's no reason for it to do that. But I see. Again, <laughs> the things that we just like go with it. and I don't remember if John Ashanti flew away or not. I don't have to revisit. No, I don't, I don't either. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll do that. We'll do more of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it is funny that, so they change for one another and then that's kind of where it, there wasn't a redeeming lesson. Like, Hey, you don't have to do that. Nope. Nope. That, that is, and then it's just the end card, the end. So in that regard, who won the battle of the thermostat, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I always win. <laughs> okay. No, it's it's about compromise usually. So we, by that I mean we usually chase each other around the apartment and open and close windows and <laughs> hit the buttons. I figured you'd find like a median, like you would say, okay, whatever temperature you like, whatever temperature you like, let's meet halfway. Let's do the math and get the median number. Yeah, yeah, that would be smart, probably. Um, <laughs> but uncomfortable. But uncomfortable for both. Yeah, like what? No, we, 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 we somehow muddled through, we get along and he's lucky that his wife really likes to cuddle up with blankets and we'll make it work. <laughs> nice. I like that. So yeah. other than that, um, I wanted to just touch a little bit upon, cause you and I have discussed this personally. I don't know. I don't think we've done so, um, publicly, but now is a good time as any, um, you address the fact that growing up Lisa Turtle was sort of like uh, an inspiration, not necessarily, oh, you know, yeah. um, which is understandable. She was pretty dope. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, Kelly Kapowski was, was the one that I had my eye on. Not to say that there's anything wrong with Lisa, but um, I do want to address the fact that Zach Morris was a terrible, terrible character in person to, uh, to emulate. Nonetheless, he was just the main character of the show. I know. I feel like this is becoming the thread of this conversation. All this content that we used to watch when we were little, where our protagonist was actually a terrible person. Except Robin Hood. Except to bring it back full circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know what? I mean, the, the the kindest person on Saved by the Bell was really Screech, and he just got like shat on the whole show. You know. That's true. Was he the kindest? I mean, actually, you know what? I think he started off, like, really nice. Uh -huh. And then over the years, he kind of, like, got, like, they, they hardened him, you know? <laughs> I do find it hard to, and I know I should, but I do find it hard to differentiate the man and the character. So, like, Dustin Diamond is mm. apparently not the coolest dude around. Yeah, I've heard that, too. Um, heard that. I would also say the sweetest person was Kelly Kapowski. Yet again, we find more positive attributes. Yeah, but you know, uh, I don't know. I, again, I, I you go can down. You at Kapowski, that's I fine. Know, you can do that here. Like, I don't know. She was like kind of basic to me. That's how I always felt about but I felt about that before we used to use the word basic. I was also always obviously in the, the Lisa camp just because she was like cool and like fashionable and like an achiever. Mm -hmm. But then Jessie, you know, she was our other like powerhouse woman. You That's know, true. feminist before it was like cool to be a feminist and, you know, pushed her yeah. into dangerous territory some episodes, as we all <laughs> iconically know. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, of course, referring to the caffeine pill addiction. Of course. I think that character wise, yeah, Lisa and Jesse, um, now that you bring it up, yeah, Kelly didn't have much uh, 
like outside of just being sweet, she didn't have much character. Uh, yeah. um, but she was Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> um, also, what would you do if you found out that your husband had a cardboard cutout of you in high school? You'd, you'd be creeped out by that, right? I understand why they ended up together. And I'm, oh, I was like, I was going to ask you, I was like, did that happen in the show? Or are you just asking hypotheticals? No, that happened in the show. A super weird hypothetical. <laughs> Which makes it weirder in the show. That means like a, a dude, like a grown person, more likely a grown man, came up oh. with that in a writer's room. And all the other writers were like, sure. That is that is a bizarrely weird thing to happen. And though I'm getting, in my, my 2000 or whatever year it is, I, I've lost track of <laughs> <laughs> at this point nice. but um in my my current brain i'm like we didn't have the internet then where did he get that high-res picture how did he translate it to a cardboard cutout very good point he could order it on the internet he couldn't get it from Amazon. there's so many questions of how this came about and like did he just go to like whatever version of kinko's there were and they didn't ask questions and they were just like fine we're gonna make this for you. like a, just so many questions that would be terrifying yeah and, I feel like it's one of those super cuts, you know, when they kind of put our favorite sitcoms like this, but put it to like a scary movie soundtrack. You know? mm -hmm. and that would, yeah, that definitely would have validity. Yeah. yeah we know. went in a, in a weird direction, but I'm glad, we got there. I'm glad we went there, though. Like, I, that needed to be addressed. The, peop the people need to think about these things. <laughs> Are we dropping truth bombs? Is that what we're doing? I, I, you know what? Between the moon landing... And Greece. I mean, this is a super educational podcast, I think. I'm going to change the category to education. Please. Um, yeah. Please. Yeah. I want science. Make, put it in the science category. That's true. I want this in, like, libraries and universities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If only just this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think so. true. And I'm glad. I'm very, like, proud of myself for saying truth bombs because that's such a youthful thing to say, right? Is it, do the kids still say that? You know, I am, you're asking the wrong person. I see. I, have you gotten into TikToks? Are you TikToking? I am using TikTok to spy on my niece and nephew. Mm. Um, I know what it is. I'm aware of it. Like, I watch what happens on it. I appreciate some of the content, um, by which I mean, like, 0.02% of it. <laughs> and then everything else I'm super confused by and or just disgusted from an advertising standpoint or from a content creation standpoint mm -hmm. like if it doesn't serve a purpose why is it up here in my face yeah but i feel like that's such an old person thing of us to say <laughs> i'm okay with that no it's an effective thing to say <laughs> it's like i think maybe because we have that mentality of the advertising in us like if it shouldn't be on screen why is it here mm, that's true that's i true. think there's some creative stuff uh, being done right. on the platform yeah Right. Um, so I guess to go into the, the kids terminology, what is your favorite hip hop influenced way of saying friends? I'll tell you, mine is my man's in them. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, ugh, I mean, I don't say words like that. I'm a million years old. But I would say like maybe like my people or my peeps. Yeah. But see, I feel like a lot of it has just found its way into everyday conversation. Like most people say homie or dude. I mean, that's pretty hip hop influence back in the day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. Is, is it not hip hop to say like my colleagues? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Also, hip hop has really evolved lately. So maybe they are saying colleagues. 
I know. Maybe it's hard to rhyme colleagues though. That's true. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet at Beyonce about it to see if she can tap Jay-Z about it. And then he's probably going to have to ask one of his young protégés because he's not really making music anymore. How, what is your, what is your love level of Beyonce and Jay-Z? Cause I do have a gripe with Jay-Z I'd like to address. Oh yeah? yeah. You know what? I, I'm not like a super fan. I must say, um, I, I like Beyonce a tad more than I like, Mr. Sean Carter, mm-hmm. but it took me a minute even to get on the Beyonce train, to be honest. When it was like Destiny's Child, I was like, I don't get it. I don't get this hype. And then she went solo and I was like, well, 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 I don't get it. I don't get this hype. And it really wasn't until like a few years later, I was like, fine, she's really talented and really beautiful and great. So let her <laughs> do it. She's a star. Right. Yeah, I think just the cultural impact. I would agree where... Actually, I don't know. I think I was on board with Destiny's Child, but like post Say My Name. Mm. Say My Name was what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, Bills, Bill, Bills didn't really do much for me. And that was when they had like four, maybe five members. Yeah. The other children of Destiny. Yeah. The Correct. Yeah. Which I'm shocked is not a documentary yet. Yeah, I know. I think it was, wasn't it? Was it? it would be one of those, again, just chilling, like, horror movie music behind yeah. the documentaries. Yeah. The Other Children of Destiny. Ooh. I mean, I know, they should be like that version, Children of Destiny. So what's your gripe with Jay-Z? What happened? What did he do oh, to you? Yeah, so um, there have been reports, and apparently this is, like, acceptable, but I just personally don't like it. Because he owns title and because he owns the streaming and everything, um, to put this, I guess, in the most layman's terms, he has the capability of buying his own albums. And so he went platinum in like four days, which isn't really like mathematically possible, mm. but he did it because he streamed everything. And then I think like put it into Samsung devices and uh, that counted towards the sales, which technically it shouldn't because it's just not someone voluntarily saying, I want to consume this music. It's somebody saying I have a Samsung device. And so by default, it's here. Mm. Not a true personal gripe, but, but in essence, I just didn't sit well with me. All right. Didn't Bono do that? Yeah. But I don't think he counted it towards sales. Okay. I don't know. I'm not that I I don't follow Bono as uh, as closely as I follow Jay-Z. I will also say do you recall when Jay-Z and Cameron were having some beef? I, I loosely remember this. And do you remember when he put out that song where he took chunks of Jay-Z's stuff where he would just borrow from Biggie's lyrics? Yeah, yeah. So since then, I was like, all right, man, I don't know how creative you are. And then what happened to Cameron? I feel like there's a conspiracy afoot. Yeah, well, I think Cameron, I think, sided with Dame Dash, and we're going down a very specific <laughs> road here, um, but I think he sided with Dame Dash when Dame Dash and Rockefeller split with Jay-Z. Yeah. And then I guess they had their beef because of that. I think they're okay, but I'm not sure. Um, and Cameron is, I don't know, I haven't heard from him in a while. Hanging out with those Destiny's children. The, 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 the unsung <laughs> Destiny's children, yeah. yeah. I also like that they had... In that video, in Say My Name, I believe every one of them had cornrows. Yeah, yeah. They, they all those, like, coordinated outfits and looks. Did you, 
silly question probably because you do change your hair very often. Did you ever rock the like Destiny's Child type of cornrows? I didn't. I didn't. I know. Wow. I was like pretty in the box and safe during the age of Destiny's Child. I see. <laughs> but I remember like early 2000s because I'm I was a big hip hop fan growing up and I was I am still a big basketball fan. I'm pretty sure like 75% of the NBA had cornrows from yeah. like 2002 to like 2004. And I think Justin Timberlake had cornrows at yeah. one point or another. I know. I was like, that's a key question. Did you have cornrows? Thank you for asking. I did not. I highly <laughs> considered it, but I cannot allow my hair to grow that long for it to be like a capability that I can do. I just can't like I once I get to a point where like I need a haircut I, it's gonna have to happen and I can't let my hair get that long yeah <laughs> I thought I did have a high top fade but not like a kid and play one like not that extreme yeah um, which is like a high top uh and then I just had I think it just really transformed to just a regular fade which is what most people do now anyway yeah I know I was like I, I'm trying to imagine it now <laughs> I'm trying to, to use my mind's eye to see it the high top or the cornrows all, all of it I will say my creative player in NBA Live 2003, every now and then, did have some cornrows. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you just like envisioned yourself being that. I think every child vicariously lived through their creative player in a basketball video game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the plan was I was going to graduate college, win 10 NBA championships, and then settle down with Britney Spears and call it a day. Um, luckily, it pivoted and I probably avoided <laughs> some bullets. But, but yeah, still no regrets. I'm still very happy where I am. There's still time for Brittany. She's still, she's yeah. single, question mark? I don't know. I also feel like the timing is that like we've, I've moved on. I think we've both moved on. Uh, uh. Yeah. yeah, Brittany and I have both moved on. Um, she seems all right with her children and her possible demons. So, <laughs> um, which, you know, most of them are not, probably not her fault. Yeah. But she's got a lot to figure out and I wish her all the best. Yeah, I think she's doing much better. I mean, she's painting now. I don't know. I, I, I do. I support that Britney Spears. So if in this life you meet her and you fall in love, I, I fully support that union. <laughs> Will you uh, design but not plan the wedding? A hundred percent. hundred percent. And if she meets another suitable quarter, um, I'm thrilled for her. And I am happy to throw my services in as the MC for that wedding. Perfect, perfect. Right. We'll add her to the, our tag parade. So, yeah, so far, I think we've, we've put it out like, to the universe. Yeah. What do we have now? We're, we've got Michael Jordan, Beyonce, and Britney Spears, right? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and like just tag like Cameron and see what he's up to. You know? Please do. But yeah, put, um, Cameron. I actually would like to know what Cameron's up to. Yeah. Um, I feel like Cameron is a guy that we could probably, if we play our cards right, we could probably get like lunch or something with him. I know, I know. This is a terrible thought, but do you know that website, Cameo? Yes. Where you can hire. I don't think it's on there. That have some time on their hands to do things, I feel like. But they just, they just like send you a shout out. I don't know if they, maybe if you send them a message and go like, hey, here's 50 bucks for wishing whoever a happy birthday. Yeah. But here's if you want to show up bucks. to, yeah, Katz's <laughs> Deli on Thursday. Yeah, we can all chill and we'll buy you lunch. I'm actually now kind of <laughs> I'm tempted to, to do that. Let's find out if Cameron's on 
uh, Cameo. I was about to say TikTok. <laughs> probably on there too. Probably on um, let's find out. If Cameron's not on, then we'll have somebody else we can try to do this with. Yeah. We'll TikTok our Cameo. I also think, I'm like, if they don't do that, we've just come up with a great business model. We're going to start a new business to like escalate. It's not just a video from your celebrity friends. You get to have lunch at Katz's Deli with them too. That's great. That's pretty solid. We'll have to run this by Katz's Deli because I think it, I think it'll blow up and the paparazzi will be all over this. So maybe we formulate something where like it's a secret destination. Mm. Each time. Mm. I like where your head's at around that. So then final question, if you could have lunch with anybody of your choosing, who would it be? Does it have to be one person? I can choose multiple people. Please choose multiple people. No rules. It would to be, say it would be lunch with my mans and them and these people. <laughs> no, no, you can phrase it any way you'd like. Um, I would like to have lunch with my colleagues. I'm going to make that stick <laughs> to the community. With my colleagues, um, Mr. <laughs> Barack Obama, okay. and joined by Miss Chrissy Teigen, who is my best friend in my head. And then with my grandmother, Muriel, because she would be hilarious. And she also loves that little Barack Obama. <laughs> so we the treats. <laughs> That's a pretty solid dynamic. Yeah. I think it'd be a lot of laughs, a lot of wisdom. Um, probably devolve into a dance party. I could see that. Yeah. What song would you pick for that? Like if Barack was like, look, I have limited time here. Yeah. I can only promise you... I can only promise you one song that we will have a dance party to. What would you? Oh, my goodness. But it has to be something that Chrissy, Barack, and Muriel would all enjoy. Damn, the pressure. All right. Well, I will say, like, my, when, when she is DJing, my grandma always requests Bob Marley. And I feel like that's pretty, like, universal, and everyone digs that. So I think uh, Bob Marley for 500, Alex. That's my final answer. Got it. Can you just quickly, 10 seconds, touch upon your grandmother DJing? Yeah. So, I mean, well, no, there's not really a scenario there. No, just like whenever I'm like, what song are you, what are you listen to? Oh, okay. It's like yeah. still requesting. She not doesn't like, get on the, the like turntables and spin. This is not like a, a bar mitzvah entertain or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is she in Virginia? She's in Virginia. She's okay. In Virginia. I don't know what they do there. In, yeah, in terms it's a whole other world down there. No, I just mean, you know, just like on the radio at home, or you know, like if we're in the car, you know. She's down with Bob Marley. Loves that Bob Marley. Yeah. Awesome. Bob All right, to, to wrap things up, I want to do a quick lightning round of just a very brief this or that. I'm going to give you two things to choose from and just go with your gut feeling. Answer as quickly as you can. All right? Okay. Got it. Let's do it. All right. Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Ooh, my husband will kill me, but Beatles. Really? He's a Stones guy? Solid, yes. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Uh, Belle Bib DeVoe or Boys to Men? Boys to Men. <laughs> and Stink or Backstreet Boys? Ooh, mm, I don't feel strong about this, but logo is Backstreet Boys. <laughs> okay. John Amos or John Stamos? John Stamos. I want to say I think it is a crime in the world that we live in right now with all the technology that is available that the two of them do not have a podcast or a live action show together called Amos and Stamos. <laughs> I, I need, I need a petition or something. I know. 
Um, Start that hashtag trending. Yeah, <laughs> like, please do. Please, if you can find Amos and Stamos and we yeah. can bring them together. Uh, Porsche or Porsche? What's Porsche? Porsche? How do you say it? Yeah, how, how you pronounce it. Oh, God, Porsche. <laughs> okay, Friends or Fraser? Mm, Fraser. Nice. I'm on board with that. Nice. Necktie or bow tie? Oh, I like both, but I'll go with necktie. Okay. Boutonniere or pocket square? Pocket square. Fantastic. Uh, so I'm on board with you with Fraser. I am not <laughs> on board with you with Porsche. I believe that is the way that you pronounce it, but that's, I think, personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> and I just really want to thank you for being here. It has been fantastic getting to know you a little bit better. And I will give you the next one to two minutes uh, to just tell us anything you want, what you have coming up, anything you're excited about, what do we need to be aware of with uh, Tinsel, with your crew. Let me know what you got going on, you and your colleagues. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This is so lovely. Um, I don't know that we mentioned even how we met, but I'm really glad that we met poolside at Engage at Bahamar Cocktail in Hand. Yeah. Um, and as for us, uh, we are excited for this year. It's looking like a big one. It's year 10 for us. We just celebrated it with a big bash at the New York Public Library. Which was amazing, by the way. I'm sure you've gotten your heaps of praise. I was included in that heap of praise, and I hope uh, everybody else sent uh, more kind words your way as the, uh, as the year progressed. You guys did a fantastic job. I know. I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> or to get back there. Um, but, uh, I, met your, uh, I actually met your lovely parents that evening. I, did you meet my grandma? She was there too. I didn't know. That was Muriel? That was her. In okay, the so then clearly you need another party and you need to like announce her. I know. I know. Like she needs her own like grand America. I know. Yes, her own grand entrance. Can we I do know. that? My queen to be. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think we need, I could devote another episode to coming to America slowly. Uh, we can uh, do that at some point down the road. I know that. I mean, again, going back to my, my girl Adet, my business partner, that is her number one favorite movie. So, with that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bringing it back to business, um, yeah, I just invite everyone to check out our work. You know, we love chitter chatting with people on the internet. We're not on TikTok yet, but on Instagram, you can follow us at Tinsel Design NYC and hashtag Team Tinsel. And that's that. Perfect. I usually ask everyone how they can find you, but you beat me to it. So fantastic. Yeah. And yes. uh, one more time at Tinsel Design NYC. That's it. Excellent. And give me the next thing that you're aiming for, the, the biggest thing that you have on your sites, because you obviously, as I mentioned before, top event designers in the world by Harper's Bazaar. What's next? Oh my God. Uh, I don't know. We don't, you know what? We, that's a hard question because we never, we never seek out the fame. Just kidding. But we, <laughs> <laughs> we're never seeking out the recognition. We're just always trying to do really great work and be good to our clients and partners. And we're grateful when we get recognized for it. And it sounds super cheesy, but, but it's the gosh honest truth. <laughs> I love it. And please know the accolades and the praise is all well-deserved. So once again, Erica Taylor Haskins from Tinsel Experiential Design, one of the top event designers in the world by Harper's Bazaar. Thank you.